We've had a few guests on the show who've talked about the relationship between food and adventuring. Chef Maria Hines is all about growing and eating food that supports her climbing. Christian Jaring makes Pueblo energy balls using native ingredients to fuel his long races. Shyla Shepard and Missy Begay are exploring another way to use indigenous ingredients. They're the founders of the first and only native women-owned brewery in the U.S., the beer they make at Bow and Arrow Brewing is more than just a drink. It celebrates Missy and Shyla's heritage and shares their stories with their community in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Shyla Shepard and Missy Begay grew up on reservations a thousand miles from each other. Shyla is from the Fort Berthold Reservation in North Dakota, and Missy is from the Navajo Nation. She grew up in the northeastern corner of Arizona. The pair met at Stanford University. While they were there, Shyla got really into beer. A pint of Hefeweizen at a local brewery opened her eyes to the brewing process and how to use different ingredients and yeast. Shyla Shepard and Missy Begay, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Will you guys each introduce yourselves? I'm Shyla Shepard. I'm co-founder and CEO of Boandero Brewing here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I'm Missy Begay, and I'm the creative director of Boandero Brewing. So you two met at Stanford, and then years later, you started this brewery together. What did you both do after school? Well, at Stanford, I was really curious, actually, like, what is this whole Silicon Valley business? Coming from a very rural area, being on a reservation, there's always talk of, like, why are there so few businesses here? And so being in the heart of Silicon Valley, I was really intrigued with that whole industry. So um, went on to move to the Southwest and joined a venture capital firm. It had a social impact sort of angle on it. In some of that work, I started learning more about the slow food movement and I was kind of at a fork in the road and, you know, Missy was wrapping up residency. And so, you know, we were kind of talking through just the timing of it and feeling like we had a little more stability for me to go out and take this risk. So Missy, you were a doctor at this point? Yes, that's correct. I'm a sleep doctor. What's a sleep doctor? The study of sleep disorders and sleep medicine. The best part of life, sleeping. <laughs> most important part of life, right? <laughs> yeah, the most important. And do you still do it a little bit on the side or did you jump in full time with the brewery? Yeah. So, I mean, I still practice medicine full time. And then I, you know, assist in the brewery as the creative director and round out my scientific background with this creative endeavor. You both have such interesting, intricate stories. I'm just curious how you have the courage to... I mean, you had to put a little bit of your careers aside to launch into a startup. You know, it's like you take these small like experiences and over time you get more confidence. You know, for me, just going back to where I grew up and then just learning about our family's history. So one interesting fact is I'm a direct descendant of Tagawea. So hearing about her journey and the courage that she had to basically guide Lewis and Clark you know, everything's named after Lewis and Clark as though, you know, they were responsible for making it West. But really, they had a lot of help along the way, including that of Tsukaguya, who, in fact, also had a baby with her. 
So just knowing how brave she was and knowing that like I'm a direct descendant, I think that's given me some some courage over the years. And then also just, you know, making the transition from our small community of Twin Buttes to Stanford and then being in the venture capital industry where you don't see a lot of, you know, people of color or women. You know, I just think with all of like that collective experience in my life, I just, you know, I started to be more confident and comfortable with taking risks and being in places, you know, where there weren't people like me. Will you ladies each tell me a little bit more about where you grew up? Yes, I grew up in Western North Dakota on the Fort Berthold Reservation, and that is home to the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation. Um, and it's all just rolling hills, beautiful prairie. Little Missouri runs right through our reservation. I spent most of my time whenever I could outside, you know, whether it was like running the hills or, you know, riding horse with my family and my best friends. Yeah, really quickly. Um, I was reading that you have amazing memories of your Magoo, which is your grandma. Yeah, she learned from her grandmother a lot about our sort of agricultural history and practices. And we have heirloom seeds that we've grown, corn and uh, hidatsa beans. And so growing up, I just really enjoyed going to visit her. I think a lot of people tend to think that tribes from the plains are like nomadic, but that's not the case. We have a deep agricultural history. Unfortunately, in sort of the late 40s or early 50s, there was a series of dams by the Army Corps of Engineers called the Pick Sloan Project. And one of those dams is the Garrison Dam. And it actually, they declared eminent domain and relocated our people out of our ancestral homelands along the river, um, which was a huge disruption to our way of life um, because it was less fertile land up above. So yeah, so that's a, a really sort of tragic history. But you know, a lot of our people continued to try to carry on those practices in less fertile land. So my grandma carried that forward. And I'm, you know, really proud to say over the last couple of years, in particular, we've really reclaimed some of that history. And I live in New Mexico now, but I'm growing our traditional hidatsa beans here and just wanting to learn more and more every year about those ways. Missy, tell us about where you grew up on the Navajo Nation. There's a lot of similarities, I think, between where Shyla grew up and I grew up. One of the big differences is the Navajo Nation is one of the largest tribes in the United States. And so we have a really large geographical land base, which is about the size of West Virginia. But growing up Navajo, I mean, I think the main thing is we're a matrilineal clan system. So what that means is that a person who's Navajo identifies themselves through their mother and so like my maternal clan is Towering House Clan. And so that's how I would identify myself to another Navajo person. Like that's super important. And I grew up in a small community called Sejin on the Arizona side of the res. And the really cool thing about that is it's near this really beautiful canyon called Canyon Diche. And that's where my grandparents made a living ranching and herding sheep and, um, growing corn. And when you grow up in a family like that, it really teaches you a lot about what you really need in life. One of my favorite memories growing up there as a kid is like when we would go to sleep, my grandma would have these oil lanterns and she'd walk up and down the hallway with the oil lantern. You can just see like that faint glow. And as a little kid tucked up in bed, like you just felt like it was kind of like a Disneyland magical type of thing. 
And so, yeah, I think it was like a pretty like simple life in terms of there wasn't a whole lot of distractions. So you had to distract yourself all the time by like either building tree houses or, you know, we'd make these like sagebrush tunnels and, you know, just like being really creative with your imagination and never feeling bored. There was always something new to explore. Missy and Shyla continue to pursue their work with a sense of imagination, curiosity, and exploration. In 2012, they started talking seriously about opening an indigenous brewery. The following year, they came up with a business plan and financing strategy. Next, they secured a small business loan, did tons of research, got permits, and found the perfect location. In February of 2016, they opened the doors to Bow and Arrow Brewing. So how did you come up with the name Bow and Arrow Brewing? You know, it's definitely a big step. It's a big decision to settle on a name. And so it took us a while. We knew we wanted to incorporate elements of the Southwest in beer and design and, and all of that. But we also wanted the brand to be meaningful to us. And we always try to focus on positivity so we're not going to use words like broken because some people are like, is it broken arrow? And we're like, no, nothing's broken here. <laughs> it's bow and arrow. But yeah, it was a, a drive. I remember specifically the moment Missy and I were driving up to Santa Fe and we were passing through Cochiti and making our way north. And I remember coming up the hill and Missy just like kind of blurted out, how about bow and arrow? And... I don't know, in that moment, it felt like it was like the absolute right thing. You know, in both of our tribes, a bow and arrow does represent strength and also protection. A lot of times, you know, you may see a bow and arrow above a doorway. And also, I think for us being very goal-oriented people, to me, the bow and arrow represented something that, you know, with practice and skill, you know, over time, you can use to achieve your goals. When we come back, we talk about how Shyla and Missy source their ingredients locally, their favorite beers on the menu, and more. Shyla Shepard and Missy Begay are the first Indigenous women to own a brewery in the United States. Their beers are brewed with local Southwestern ingredients like blue corn, prickly pear fruit, and sumac berries. Inside Bow and Arrow Brewing, you'll find turquoise details, beautiful woodwork, vaulted ceilings, and rows of communal tables. Even the beer labels are thoughtfully designed. They feature Missy's graphic artwork that often references local landforms and native motifs. The labels, the labels are beautiful. Um, I think Missy, this is this is your your wheelhouse. Talk to me about the vision for the design of the brand, especially when it comes to like the beer cans, the labels. You know, what inspired them? So. I would say that our whole philosophy is to brew beer with intention, but then also to focus on 
what makes the the Southwest great. And I think for a lot of people who have been to the Southwest, there's something mesmerizing about the vastness, the open spaces, the mesas, and there's some beauty in in the high desert, you know, where people think nothing can thrive and grow. But there's so much here. And I think what we try to do is put focus on that, on the bounty of the desert. With each label, there's a story behind it. And so whether it's highlighting a certain place, like we just launched one of our hard seltzers, it's called Bisti, and it's named after the Bisti Badlands in New Mexico. And it's kind of like this really bizarre hoodoo rock formation. And it's really like this kind of Mars futuristic landscape. And it's a super beautiful place. And so our, our labels tell a story, but it's also, I think, trying to record a historical record of what's happening today, the things that matter to us today, whether it's like the celebrations we're having or the challenges we're having. So really giving a focus to the land, the people, and trying to make a historical record um, through our beer labels, what it's like to be a brewery in the Southwest. Can you dive into that a little more? I'm, I'm just, what does that mean? Through artwork, is that what you're saying? Through yeah, the through the artwork on the cans. On the cans. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, people come up to us all the time and they're like, yeah, you're like the Native American brewery. Like, what's this about? And can you tell me more about this? And I think for us, we're trying to paint this perspective of what it's like to live out here in the Southwest. But then also we have a responsibility as a Native-owned business to make sure that when we tell stories or when we talk about our culture or use symbols, that it's done with you know respect and in- intention. And I think for us for so long, as indigenous people, you know, we're not, we weren't really at the forefront of telling our own stories and like doing our own designs. And, you know, there's a lot of appropriation that continues to go on. And so I think for us, our artwork and our labels, it's a chance for us to not only take responsibility, but to be the ones in charge of, of telling our story from our point of view. And you source some of your ingredients locally. Not all ingredients, but whenever we can, whenever it's financially feasible and available, you know, it really just depends on the seasonality of what's available. I think one of the the coolest things is that we might brew a beer and you might not be able to get it again ever (laughs) until, you know, the next season arrives or the crop is good. So there's always kind of like that element of surprise. You know, I watched this video and I think it's you, Missy, but you'd found some ingredients that you were looking for. And when you found it, you took some time to pray and give gratitude to it. I just thought it was a really beautiful interaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the summer fall highlights is going out and foraging for wild hops. And so we do that here in the nearby mountains. And what a lot of beer drinkers might not know is that hops, which is, you know, found in the IPA, the most popular beer in the U.S., uh, hops are indigenous to the United States and they grow in the Rocky Mountain region. And so it's the true wild American hop. Indigenous people have been using that as an ingredient in a lot of uh, medicinal beverages and elixirs for hundreds of years. And so, yeah, every summer we go out looking for this hop and when we find it, uh, we make sure to to give it some uh, good blessings so that we continue to benefit from it. 
I'm sure as the owners, you guys have your favorite beer. So tell me, what's your favorite beer at Bow and Arrow Brewery? So my favorite beer has been classically for probably the past couple of years is the Blue Corn Denim Tux Pilsner. So it's like just this really classic beer, but it's brewed with a blue corn from the Santa Ana Pueblo. So it's just really like this crisp, classic, refreshing beer with a New Mexican Southwest twist. My favorite beer? I mean... There's many, but I think the one that I always come back to because of how unique it is, is our Fooderland, which is a fooder aged farmhouse ale. If you're not familiar with a fooder, if you've ever seen a wine barrel, it's basically one of those kind of giant turned on its side. So we have one 30 barrel fooder and all of the ingredients are regionally sourced. So from the malt out of Colorado, to hops also actually out of Southern Colorado. But I think the most interesting is our house mixed culture of yeast and bacteria. Some of that we actually captured here locally with yeast traps, it's like dried malt extract, kind of sugary substance that we grew up and some of them turned out really beautiful. And so we kept those and sort of continued to grow it up. And one came about from near our peach tree. We have a single peach tree here on site. And then the other was from a lavender field um, in the area. So that beer is, you know, we talk about a farmhouse ale. We call it farmhouse because it's truly uh, kind of resident to this area. So it's really like drinking and experiencing this sense of place. Is beer something that Native Americans have been drinking since the beginning of time? Like in Peru, I remember... um the um, locals there drank chicha, which is corn. Yeah, Shyla can answer this because she gave a whole lecture okay. on it. <laughs> and I'm sorry if this is like yeah, dumb, but no, I'm just, it's, I just it's don't really know. not. You know, I mean, obviously there's lots of stereotypes out there, which is unfortunate and part of what we're having to push back on every day. But yeah, no, I mean, I think people around the world <laughs> were super creative in figuring out ways to ferment any sort of sugar that was out there. So yeah, you have chicha in South America, you have pulque, you have, um, there was even like a Sarara wine that was made, essentially a wine here in the Southwest. There's Apache folks that made basically a corn wine slash corn beer as well. So, I mean, I think the world over, like I said, and maybe it wasn't specifically beer, but fermentation is is definitely present in most cultures. While there's a rich history of indigenous fermentation practices, there's no doubt that Shyla and Missy's business is revolutionary. The two are constantly walking the line of making beer that sells and running a business that honors their values. On top of that, they've taken their work a step further by organizing with other breweries to support indigenous communities. Last year, Shyla and Missy launched the Native Land Campaign. It's an international craft beer collaboration. In November of 2021, Bow Arrow Brewing made an IPA called Native Land. They invited breweries across North America to brew and sell the same beer using their recipe. There were two requirements to participate. First, brewers had to use Missy's label, which left a space to acknowledge the native land where the beer was made. Second, the proceeds from the native land IPA had to go to native nonprofits. By March of 2022, 60 breweries in 26 states 
and one Canadian province had participated in the campaign. I read something about the Native Land Campaign. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So it started out as, you know, having this unique perspective and experience as Native people in the craft beer industry. And like I said, we've been just thinking a lot more about like our own experience and this sort of platform that we've built, I guess, over the last six and a half years. And we wanted to kind of use that in a way to educate people because less often here in the Southwest, I think more so as you go eastward, but you know, you still encounter people who've, you know, never met a Native American person or not only that, thought that we don't exist anymore. That's kind of shocking as a Native person, like the fact that there's still, you know, a lot of harmful stereotypes that exist against Native people in particular when it comes to alcohol and just like wanting to share that, you know, we are, you know, not these one dimensional characters. We're entrepreneurs, brewers, doctors, public servants, you know, we we exist in many spaces these days. And I think it's important for people to recognize that, but also to learn about and acknowledge the history. You know, all beer is brewed on native land. And so originally we were going to do this native land beer ourselves. We thought, oh man, it'd be so cool, you know, to to educate people like here in Albuquerque, we're on Tiwa land. Let's create an opportunity for craft beer drinkers and fellow breweries to take a moment to learn about that history, to acknowledge it. Not only that, but let's generate some resources for impactful native nonprofits. And so we started reaching out to some of our brewery friends and kind of running this concept by them. And everyone was so excited. And now we're discussing a version 2.0. So that's been amazing, something we're currently in the throes of working on right now. I feel like food and beer, too, has a way of bringing people together. Why do you think that is? I mean, food especially, it nourishes us, not only like physically, but when you come together for a meal or, you know, throughout the process of like planting, tending to your gardens or your fields, harvesting of it. I think tying some of those threads together and sharing the history and making it a more meaningful experience. Some people are just going to come in and grab a pint because we make great products. (laughs) But at the same time, I think People really appreciate having the opportunity to direct their hard-earned dollars at businesses who are doing more. I love the idea that we can do what we love and align it with our values and desire for social change. Shyla and Missy are incredibly thoughtful and intentional about how they incorporate their culture and their traditions into their beer and their business. They're telling their story and sharing their values one pour at a time. If you want to learn more about Missy, Shyla, and Bow and Arrow, check them out on Instagram at Bow and Arrow Brewing. If you're in Albuquerque, you should definitely stop by and try some of their beer. They have quite a tap list. You can head to their website, bowandarrowbrewing.com, to see what they're pouring. Their Native Land Collaboration Project also has an Instagram you can find them at Native Land Beer and keep an eye out for their 2022 launch. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited 
by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative. And Annie just spent a few days on the Oregon coast with her 94-year-old grandmother. Happy early birthday to Nana Doris. Sylvia just went camping on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. She'd argue the Great Lakes are better than the ocean, but she hasn't been surfing with me yet, so we'll see. Our senior producer is Chelsea Davis, and our associate producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. Our listeners are people like you. In fact, one listener, Janice Copeland, just emailed me to tell me how proud she was of her friend, Dana King, who just completed the Manitoba climb in Colorado, which I looked up and there are 2,768 steps to get to the top. So congrats to Dana and thank you for sending this Janice Copeland. As always, we really appreciate when you take the time to write a review about this podcast. We read them all and they mean a lot. We also appreciate when you follow this show and send it to friends. Most of all, remember some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. See you next week.